0: Well, after some seeking the Lord and consideration, I believe we should begin a new series. Not that we uh, finished everything about the other one. These things are so big, but um, if you weren't here, we we were on the subject of uh, the keys of the kingdom, and if you didn't hear that, we recommend it to you. Guys, would you recommend it to uh, Oh, man You need to know what that is because it affects your life so much and uh, all those are available online or you can, if you're in the buildings, you can go by and get a hard copy of some of these things. Uh, It won't cost you anything, no charge. But go with me, if you would, to Romans, the 12th chapter today, Romans 12, something came up a week or so ago and... uh, as i I asked the Lord a question about something I didn't understand, and then later on that night, I was up half the night with him answering that question for me showing me things about it. and I realized that uh, this is something we should get into. in romans the the twelfth chapter in the first verse. Romans 12.1 He said, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. You know after he bought us and paid for us and saved us, gives us life and breath and everything, we ought to serve him. I said we ought to. He won't make you, but we ought to. After everything he's done for us, you can't pay him back. He didn't want you to try to pay him back. That's not what this is talking about. But it's just reasonable that after he has saved you and me like he has, that we serve him. We live for Him. We follow Him. We walk with Him. We serve Him. But now, how do you do that? How do you serve Him? Not according to somebody's idea, according to Him. How do you do that? Verse 2 He's still talking about this. And, see I told you he wasn't through. And be not conformed To this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how we're going to serve Him. You won't serve Him if you're just conformed to this world. You'll be pursuing the things that the unsaved world are pursuing. And you can be born again. And live like the world. And waste your time and life and opportunities. And only realize too late. That you didn't really serve the Lord. Don't be conformed to this world. Is there a danger of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a massive current and flow in the world. It's going that direction. The Lord wants you to go this direction. (laughs) And when you start going upstream, you're going to stand out. And there is a broad way and path that leads into destruction. And many, Jesus said, are going into it. It's sad. But there's a straight And a narrow way. (laughs) So the next time somebody calls you narrow. Narrow minded you say and saved. (laughs) We're not supposed to embrace all beliefs. That means you're not a Christian. If you're a real Christian. That means Jesus is your Lord. You believe what he tells you to believe. Right? If you don't do that. Then how are you a Christian? A lot of people call themselves Christians who are not. They've never actually been born again. And, and you know, I, I heard a guy say one time he thought being born in America made you a Christian. <laughs> no, being born in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian, doesn't make you a believer. Going to church half your life does not make you a believer. Jesus said you must be born again. And that's a personal choice. That's a reception, individual receiving. So keep reading this. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the way I'm not going to just be caught up in the unbelieving world is getting my mind renewed. And how do I do that? We'll keep reading the verse. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The title of our new series is The Perfect Will of God. The Perfect Will of God. Now notice here he says We're going to serve God by not being conformed, but being transformed. We're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does renewing your mind mean? How does your mind get renewed? It's right here. You prove, everybody say prove. Prove. Now if you look up that word, it's also translated test. Test or discern, or distinguish. So, you could say it like that, that you may test and distinguish what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your mind is renewed as you find out who God is, what He has said what His will is, what His ways are, what His plan is, your mind gets renewed. The unsaved world does not know Him. And so they say all kind of of foolish and ignorant things about God. And you can tell people that don't know God by the things that they say. And One of the things is that ungodly people, people that don't know God, including a bunch of religious people, are all the time attributing evil to God. Another word for evil is bad. And uh, you'll hear, you know, the the worst tragedies on the planet. And people say, well, I don't know why God did that. You know right away they don't know it. They don't know him because they're talking like this was somehow the will of God. And their mind has not been renewed to know what is the will of God. The scripture said in Peter, God is not willing that any should perish. Is that true or not? Is that true? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come, you know, to repentance. All should be saved, right. pre- repent. Are people perishing yes. in this world yes. by the millions? Yes. By the millions. Yes. Is that the will of God? No. no. And so you immediately begin to see there's a lot going on down here that's not the will of God. Anybody remember Jesus teaching the disciples and us to pray? How does it go? What we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will is being done. No. No. If God's will is already being done, You don't need to pray that it would be done. Right? And yet, I mean right and left, religious people, church people are saying, Well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. and, and and they're either saying outright or leaving the impression that everything that's happening is somehow the mysterious will of God. Well, if everything is the will of God, why would I need to prove and test and discern to see what is the will of God? There would be no need to do that because It's all the will of God. (laughs) In Ephesians, Ephesians 5, you said you were hungry, right? You said, okay. Hope you got an appetite because there's a lot here. Ephesians 5 and uh, 17. Well, this goes with 16 as well. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Wherefore. Be ye not unwise. Verse 17. But understanding. What the will. Of the Lord is. Well if everything's the will of God. It wouldn't be hard to understand. It's like. It happened so it was the will of God. It didn't happen so it must not have been the will of God. Now, you know, a few people are chuckling here and there, but I, I've been dealing with this ever since I've been in the ministry of folks confused about this and people, you know, one person said this, you know, I want you to pray for me that I'd be healed, you know, if it's his will. And I say, well, how would we know? Well, I thought you'd pray and, and if, uh, if I got healed, then it was his will. If I didn't, then it must not have been His will. Well, then why pray? Right. Especially if His will is going to be done anyway. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm I'm not making fun of anybody because I've been there before. I ever uh, got in ministry before I was ever married. I mean, we're going way way back now. I first begin to get a hold of some things and. Uh, My pastor at our little church wanted me to go with him to the hospital to visit one of our members that was very ill. And we knelt by the bedside. I'm in my late teens. And uh, he said, you know, Father, our dear sister has been afflicted with this, I think it was the last stages of cancer, and you know, if it be thy will, we, we, we pray that she would be raised up. And if not, you know, then, then give her and her family the strength to, to deal with this and, and your will be done. Well, that, and I said, amen. Right, yeah. That's all he knew. That's all I knew. I didn't know any different. And, but some years later, I realized what we're doing is we, we came in and we knelt down and said, God you are going to do your will. Your will is going to be done no matter what. So if it be your will that she be healed, then heal her. But of course, if it was your will, you were going to do it anyway. Because it it was your will. And if it's not your will, then she won't be healed. But of course, if it wasn't your will, she wasn't going to be healed anyway. So in other words, why am I praying? I'm serious. Why Why am I praying? Why am I praying? Again, I'm not making fun of anybody. I tell, I'm telling you what I did. What we did. Because didn't know any better. Didn't know any different. But, you know, where, where did he get that? He got that from his seminary, and, and where he came up. I got that from the church I grew up in. That's what I had heard all my life. That's And was not checking it against the Word. Wasn't checking it against the Bible, like we're supposed to. Look in Colossians, if you would, there you, you were close by. He said, here, don't be unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And in Colossians 4, he said this in verse 12, Colossians 4, 12. He said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. In all the will of God. If God's will is going to be done. Regardless. Why would prayer affect it? Why would you need to labor fervently. In prayers. That others might stand. Perfect and complete. In all the will of God. No. The truth is, just like he told us, to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is real simple to figure out. If it's not happening in heaven, it's not God's will on the earth. Now, how much of the stuff that's happening down here is not the will of God? Come on, I didn't write this. What did did the master say? Pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did he pray that or not? Did he tell us to pray that or not? Then all these evil things that's happening down here on the earth that are not happening in heaven are not the will of God. How many hurricanes are they having in heaven? Zero. Earthquakes, tsunamis, tornadoes. Then don't call a tornado that killed babies and children an act of God. You're maligning your good father. There's a thief down here. Jesus said he was. John 10.10, he said, the thief comes not except he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy who's the thief Jesus the thief the father your heavenly father the thief no who is it it's the devil there is a devil there is a destroyer and so everything the devil is doing is somehow the will of god no it's real simple if they don't have it in heaven <laughs> It's not the perfect will of God. If it stole something from you, it's not God's will. If it destroyed something in your life, if it killed something, that wasn't the perfect will of God. Now what we're talking about here is mind renewal. Isn't it? Because most of the world does not think like this. They've been taught to believe that everything is somehow the mysterious, unknowable Will of God, and everything is somehow for the best. And uh, this is the same belief that is in varied and different false religions. You'll find that same belief in false religion after false religion. What? That well, it it, had, it must have been the will of God because it happened. It must not have been the will of God because it didn't happen. Somehow everything is the will of what they're calling God. And the reason why you find this common is because that's the only way the enemy can prevent people from resisting him. See, as long as you're blaming God, he's free to do whatever he wants to do. He is left unchecked. He can do the most heinous, cruel, evil stuff And you'll blame God for it. Not us. Uh -uh. I said not us. Uh -uh. Not you. Not me. Uh -uh. The scripture said if you come to God. You must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder. Of those that diligently seek him. You must believe that God is light. And in him is no darkness. at At all. The language there is real strong, not even a particle, not even a speck, no darkness at all. Well, darkness is is where evil is and bad. Somebody said out loud, God is light light. and in him him is no darkness darkness. at all. all. No evil, no No bad bad. At at all, at all. God is, good. God is good. Do you believe it? Come on, do. You? That's a simple phrase, but most people don't believe it. If they do, they don't go far with it. The reason people get hung up on things of any size—we started talking about our vision list, you know, uh, writing some things on there—that's beyond what you could make happen, and maybe some big price tags on some of these things. Well, people start choking when you get to some of that. And it's because they don't believe God is that good. They just don't. They, you know, I was preaching in Central America a few years ago. And uh, and so I was through an interpreter, but I was, this is one of the things I was talking about. I said, is God good? And they went, yes, God is good. I said, is God bicycle good? They said, yeah. Because, you know, that's better than walking. I said, is God used car good? Yeah, yeah. Is God new car good? And it was about half the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is God new Mercedes good? It's a little bit quieter. God new Rolls Royce good. It was almost quiet. It's like, well, by their silence, what are they saying? He, he ain't that good. I mean, you know, God may be Chevy good, Ford good, but... Rolls Royce good? Yeah. He especially is not airplane good. I believe he is. Yes. I believe he's just that good. Is he efficiency apartment good? Yeah, he is. Man, that's a lot better than being on the street. Is that right? Or having to live with somebody else. Right? Having your own place. Is he that good? Is he big apartment good? And, and decorate it and furnish it exactly like you want to. Top of the line furniture, hardwood floors, nice art on the walls, is God that good? Yeah. Is God have your own house good? Yeah. Your own house, good. Yeah. 5,000 square foot house, yeah. good. Is is he that good? Yeah. Four car garage, yeah. tennis court, yeah. swimming pool, yeah. good. Now, why, why am I saying that? Because a lot of people, they start getting mad. They start getting, nah, I I don't go. I knew that. He's one of them prosperity gospel preachers. <laughs> it's in the word. Yeah. Yeah. Is God that good? Yes. Is the question. And is it his will? Yes. Well, see, the world doesn't believe that. There's a, I had a young man one time sit across the desk from me. His father was a pastor all of his life. He grew up in a pastor's house. And he had a call on his life. I could tell it. Now I'm not going to tell him you're supposed to preach. Because him doing something because I told him to, that's not going to be strong enough when he's tested and tried. He's got to know God told him to do it. But I'm trying to help him see what's on the inside of him. And finally, it was getting too close to him. He just started crying and put his hands on the desk. He said, I'm not going into the ministry. I said, okay. He said, my daddy and we, we were broke all our lives, and I'm not living like that. I want to have something. I want my family to enjoy some things. You see, he's believing lies. Come on, can you see it? He, he believes it's not God's will. He believes God doesn't want him to have a nice house or, or new cars or don't want him to enjoy things. Now, do you realize most of the church world believes that they, they believe if you really get sanctified, you're going to live poor. Well, why is that the will of God? That's the unsaved world telling you how you're supposed to live as a Christian. They don't do it. They're never going to do it. But they're sure about how broke you should be if you're really a Christian. What's the will of God? You have to get your mind renewed from all the junk of the world and from all the religious tradition you got to get your mind renewed not so that you believe what Faith Life Church told you or what brother Keith told you you discern for yourself what the will of God is Hallelujah. Hallelujah You discern you you test and approve what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you in your life Amen. And oh, friend, when you find that, you are ready to go, brother. I mean, nothing can stop you because that is the rock solid foundation of your faith. How does faith come? Does anybody know? By hearing, hearing by the anointed word. Well, what does that do to you? It renews your mind so that you know what you didn't know and you believe what you should believe. Brother F.F. Bosworth who authored the book Christ the Healer he's been going to heaven many years now. He made this statement. He said faith begins where the will of God is known. Say that out loud. Faith begins where the will of God is known. That's another way of saying faith comes by hearing. That's just another way of saying that. And it is the truth. If you are unsure Of the will of God. You are unstable and you are unable. What do you mean? You you don't know what to fight for or fight against if you're not sure of the will of God. You don't know what to accept or reject. You don't know what to receive or resist. And you gotta know. You can't just kind of think so. You got to get settled. You got to get like Abraham. Fully. Fully. Persuaded. Fully persuaded. And when you get settled, this is the will of God. Now you know what to go for. You know what to fight for. You know what to fight against. Come on, can you see it? You know what to receive. You know what to resist. You can't fight the good fight of faith while you're still questioning God's will about that thing. And he ministered to people over and over and over again, Brother Bosworth did, to receive healing. And he found that out after some years, that as long as you're still questioning the will of God, you're not in faith yet. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Look in, in First Timothy, if you would. Man, this thing's growing on me. Yikes. I'm still on the introduction. That's okay. Can you come back? First Timothy. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. First Timothy. Yeah, first Timothy, the sixth chapter. Verse 17, well, verse 12 had said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. See, you gotta you gotta be sure enough that it's God's will that you don't just sit passively by and wait. You you grab hold of it. You lay hold on it. And one of the things he got into was over in verse 17. He said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Is that the will of God? Yes. Somebody said out loud, it is, the will of God it is the will of God for me to enjoy some things. To enjoy some things. That'll change your life. Because you got people all over the place running from God. They're afraid if they ever really commit to serve God, their fun is over. They're enjoying anything, having anything nice is over. Now you ought to be willing to sacrifice to serve God. And if you follow Him all the way, it's going to require some sacrifice. And you'll get things and you'll give them away and you'll receive things and you'll sell them and put it in the gospel and then you'll have bigger and then you'll demonstrate over and over again that you care more about him than you do the things. That'll happen if you follow him. But a lot of people won't even start because they're convinced, well, I want this and I want that and if I serve God, I can't have that. No, you could have way better if You would get your mind off of that and serve him. But it will come at the right way and the right time. Instead of you adding it to you, he'll add it to you. Right way, right time. It's his will. The living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to our text. Romans 12 1 and 2 He said I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Now this is where it begins. You're presenting yourself to God. As a living sacrifice, you're saying, Lord, you bought me spirit, soul, and body. I belong to you, and I am available to serve you. So what's the next thing you need to know? What does he want me to do? Right? But that's not how it started. <laughs> it started with you making yourself available. Don't let this get past you. Don't let this be too simple for you. How do you find the will of God? How do you find and follow and fulfill the perfect will of God? Now, we're going to get into this as. Time goes on, I believe, but that word perfect means complete, entire and complete. If there is a complete will of God, what what else must there be? Incomplete. If there's a perfect will of God, that means there's a partial, partial will of God. And then there's out of the will of God. Some years ago, well, decades ago, I was on a missionary trip, and um, while we were there, one part of the government tried to overthrow the other part. It was a military coup. It was something, man. Part of the soldiers in the fort jumped out of over the walls and outside and started firing back at the ones on the inside. And there was chaos in the streets. There was fear. There was people grabbing their kids and running. It was a bad deal. Well, there was a pretty good-sized group of us down there. I I don't know, 15 maybe or so, 20, I don't know. And and so we all went back to the ministry compound without waiting around. (laughs) And uh, so we, uh, we got there. You could hear the machine gun fire right down there in the street below us. Man, the fear was tangible. And so the leader of that ministry, we all gathered around. He said, let's uh, let's pray. And nobody said why. I mean, everybody, everybody was right there. And he said, how many of you really believe the Lord directed you to come down here for this trip? Because, see, if you weren't sure it was the will of God, now's when you'd really be questioning it. Right? Right, should, Should I be here? Which is why you need to get it settled before you do stuff. Is this the will of God? Is it not? Well, I didn't have to hesitate because I wasn't planning on going. I didn't think I could go. And the Lord very strongly dealt with me that I was supposed to go and in a miraculous way provided the funds. I didn't think I could go and because of the money. And, and he brought it in. So I knew I was there in the will of God. And the man stood there. He said, uh, He said, do you understand that you are safer here in the will of God than you are back in the States out of the will of God? When he said that, Peace just came over me. I thought that's right. I mean, out of the will of God, you can get hit by a bus crossing the street. Back at home. I mean, a thousand and one things. Do you know the most dangerous place on earth, on the planet? Out of the will of God. It's not just a geographic place, not just a place with the right political stuff. Do you know the happiest place on earth? No, it's not Disney World. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing against Disney World. But do you know the most peaceful, the most fulfilling, the safest, the most prosperous place on the planet? In the middle of the perfect will of God. It's the best place on earth. Safest place? The most dangerous place is whether you're in the will of God or out of the will of God. And even though a lot of times with with people of God, sometimes you do see catastrophic things that shouldn't have happened, but you also see a lot of small stuff that shouldn't happen, and it's because of only partially being in the will of God. We're going to get into this more as we go. There's a lot to see in the Word, but is there a perfect will of God? The Bible talks about it. What does that word perfect mean? Complete. Complete and entire. Uh, There is completely in the will of God. If there's completely in the will of God, there's got to be completely out of the will of God, and there's got to be partially in the will of God. And that's because God doesn't force us to do anything. He will reveal his will to us if we want to see it. But he's not going to force us to do anything. It begins with making yourself available. Look at this again. Verse 1. Romans 12. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you do what? You present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Who's going to do that for you? Nobody can do that for you, except you. You, what, what does that mean? You make yourself, you make your body, and of course every, everything that's in your body, you're in your body. <laughs> so your body, and your body is the most valuable physical possession you have so everything else would be under that I mean if he's, if he's got your body he's got your money your stuff he should have because everything else is way less valuable than that my body everything I have everything I, I will have I make it available to you Lord to serve you this is the foundation of finding the will of God this, this is the, the biggest f- and the first step in finding out. Because if you don't do that, if you're unwilling to do that, you won't find the will of God. Because in truth, you don't really want to know. Go to John 3. Now, I, I, I've been feeding you for months and years. And you should be able to handle a little bit of steak. Well, actually, we tenderized it for you real real good, and we marinated it and soaked it, and it's a little bitty bite. So you should be able to, ta- right? We should be able to take a little bit more solid food. <laughs> How many can imagine the will of God is a big subject? I mean, this is this is something. But do we need to know what the Word tells us to know about it? We do. John three. John three sixteen. Anybody heard this one? Is it a good one? Is it still a good one? Oh, the best. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. His only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 18. He that believes on him is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. What? That light has come into the world. And what was the result? Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Are there people who hate the light? That's another way of saying hate the truth. Hate the knowledge of God. Don't be shocked at people who don't want to know the truth. I mean, at first, your first tendency is to go, what? It's the truth verified nine ways and there are people all over they don't want to see it they don't want to hear it (laughs) and you think well yeah but it's the truth yeah I know but millions on the planet they love darkness they want to live in their delusion because they want to do what they want to do and call it okay and call it all right and nobody mess with me and everybody else tell me I'm okay and I'll tell you that your sin is okay and we'll pat each other back on the back and we'll be inclusive. Everybody's okay. <laughs> Come on, bring it in. Everybody. <laughs> no, they're not. Everybody's not okay. mm Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, he said, you are of your father the devil. So we don't all have the same father and we're not all brothers and sisters. There's two spiritual families. There is the family of light and there's the family of darkness. And those who love darkness hate the light. That's why they despise folks like us. Because well, all we want to talk about is the Bible. The Bible. The Bible. And they're like, that old antiquated thing. See, they believe it's just a bunch of hodgepodge writings of men, not even good poetry. It is the inerrant, unfailing, living, Word of God, and it's right about everything, everything, and if you don't think so, you're wrong, because it's right, but it takes some humility to grow in that, because when you pursue light, light shows up darkness and deficiencies in yourself, Then you got a choice to make. Do I acknowledge it and humble myself and repent, make a change? Or do I harden myself and get embarrassed or whatever and resist? So, finding the will of God begins with humility and faith. God gives his grace to the humble and you come before him and you say here I am Lord I want to know what your will is I want to know what you say is right and I know my mind's got to be renewed I know as I stand here right now I don't think the same as you do on everything if I did I wouldn't need to have my mind renewed but with your help, I purpose to be willing to change. Accept what you say. And if I've thought different, then I've got to change. If I've believed differently, I've got to change. What is that? That's your mind getting renewed. And that results in you being transformed into his glorious image. But it's going to take some change, a lot of it. Look at your neighbor, help him out. And say, "Dear, you need to change," and <laughs> you, you need to answer back and say, "I know, I know it. I know I do." <laughs> if you didn't need to change, that means you have arrived right now, at Christ-like perfection. And you know all the perfect will of God, right where you said, no you don't, come on. You know you don't, we know you don't if you don't know it. (laughs) Just from watching you and listening to you talk, we, we know. We know. Oh, hallelujah. It begins with a a humbling yourself before him, a submitting of you and your body and everything you are and have and saying, I'm available to you, Lord. I want to know what your will is. And if you really mean it from your heart, he'll cause you to see it. He will cause you to know it. He'll take you by the hand and he will lead you every step of the way. Now he's not going to show you the whole thing all at once because then you'd be walking by sight and he wants you to walk by faith. He'll show you enough to take the next step and that'll lead to another step which will lead to another step and he will lead you out of confusion, out of darkness, out of lack, out of loss, into the perfect path of the righteous that gets brighter and brighter. Until the full day sun. Hallelujah. Brighter and brighter means better and better. And the Lord said, I know the thoughts I've thought about you. Good thoughts. It's a good plan. Oh, I want to get up on top of the roof and shout about how good God has been to me. I mean, looking back 40 plus years ago as little country people that Phyllis and I were so ignorant, pitifully ignorant. But we, we, we did what I'm telling you. We begin to hear a little bit of word and learn just a little bit about faith. And so we did it. We said, Lord, we want to know. We want to know what your will is. I, I didn't at that time I didn't ha- had, have any plans to be a minister. I wasn't even looking at being a minister. Much less pastor in the church or any. No, no. I, I was looking another direction. But it began by, Lord, what's your will for Phyllis and me? What, what is your will? What do you want to do with us? And he led us there. And then that led to here. And then that led to there, and it led to here, and we are so, even at this point, 40 years later, we are so far beyond anything I would have ever dreamed or imagined back when we were talking about that 40 years ago. Never crossed, makes me want to talk in tongues. Just... And to see like that young man pounding his hand, hands on the desk and he's not going to serve God because he thinks he can't enjoy something. He doesn't know what he forfeited. Yes. We, we have laid down things. We have left things. We have left. One of the first things we did, I, I left my hot rod and my dog and my motorcycle and Phyllis left her little house, what it was to it. And we went into the ministry. And looking back now, How stupid it would have been to hold on to that little junk, afraid to obey God. Oh, what he has given us. He's given us so much more. And then finally, after 20 years, you know, we got to Branson. Well, excuse me, we were still in Tulsa. And the Lord dealt with us about Branson. And when he did, we had just gotten what you might call our dream home. We had just moved in a few months ago, before, and I had just, we just got a little airplane, a little single engine, and we're traveling with it in the ministry, and it just got a little hanger to put it in, a little bitty thing, but hey, uh, it was big stuff to us, Amen. and the Lord is dealing with us strongly about liquidate all of this, leave all of this, and go to Branson, and basically it's like starting over from scratch. We, we we moved into a little rent house that the water didn't work very well in, and it was too close to a golf course. We weren't part of the golf course, but we were close enough the balls would hit our house. <laughs> I'm sitting there trying to study, and whap! Oh! <laughs> but the Lord said to me before he moved, because I was you know I was struggling a little bit with it. Oh, we we're all human. You think, well, we built this up for 20 years and now we're just going to liquidate and walk away. And and the Lord said, do you believe I can do better for you than this? I I was shaving. I laid my razor down. I said, yes, Lord, I do. He said, well, obey me. I said, yes, Lord, we will. And we did. We put it up for sale. It sold just like that. We loaded up the truck. We moved to Branson. (laughs) <laughs> and we started over, but we weren't there a couple of months until the Lord said, I'm going to give you the best of Branson. I didn't know what that meant. Because we were, I mean, we had nothing. We, we didn't have mo- enough money to, to lease a place. And within the next five years... He gave us one of the best theater complexes and 10 acres up there in town and within the next couple of years he gave us another, he gave us another property right on the strip and gave us 70 acres of prime property right there. The best of Branson. Gave us the best. Gave, but what if I'd have held on to my little hot rod and my little motorbike and our little trailer house Back in Mississippi, you'd have never found out about it. I said you'd have never found out about it. So it, it's not just knowing the will of God. God is well able to cause you to find His will and lead you step by step. Many people simply are not interested. They don't. Want, they don't really want to know because they already got their plans. They already. They're comfortable. They got their minds made up. And and see, he's different from other people around you. He knows what's in your heart. He knows there's no need in talking to you about it. Because you're not even open. Because if he told you to relocate, you wouldn't do it. If he told you to, to liquidate this and sow this, you wouldn't do it. He knows. And then you'd be just responsible for more disobedience. Some of it's mercy. But you still miss out. But I think I'm talking to some people who want to know, want to know the complete will of God for my life, whatever that means, wherever that leads, why? Because can you trust him? I said, can you trust him? Will he lead you somewhere good? Will there be some challenges and trials? Will there be some sacrifice? but it won't even be worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Woo! Somebody say, I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way way. With with God. Stand up, guys. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge.